Welcome to the Hit Local Play Global podcast, the Tennis Victoria podcast, where we sit down and showcase the great people in the Victorian tennis community. I'm Sean O'Kane, and I'm joined here by Gab Tobias. Welcome, Gab. Very excited to be back for another episode today. The special guest on today's podcast is Victorian Junior Athlete of the Year from back in 2005, so just a few years ago, and that was Steve Donald. So Steve's joined us for this chat, but if I can, Sean, I might take that opportunity to do a little segue to this year's Victorian Junior Athlete of the Year and a few other awards that we're going to present in a few weeks' time coming up on Tuesday, the 19th of October. If I can do a subtle plug for our Victorian Tennis Awards, is that okay? That was very subtle. (laughs) Subtle as a sledgehammer, wasn't it? Uh, No, look, we've got our Victorian Tennis Awards coming up um, in just a few weeks. We'll name the, um, the 2021 Victorian Junior Athletes of the Year, male and female, as well as a number of other Victorian champions, as I like to call them, our most outstanding club or centre, our coaching excellence, our volunteer achievement, most outstanding athletes with a disability or seniors, the juniors, as I mentioned, our best council that we've worked with over the year. There's a whole host of tournaments that are nominated as well. There's plenty and plenty of finalists that should be celebrated and we'll do that online this year, Sean, which will be a little bit different, but we're looking forward to it. So we welcome everyone to join in. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, you can find out a lot of information on our website or on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. It's blasted everywhere. You can see who the finalists are and we'll keep sharing that content in the lead up to the night. Congratulations to all of our finalists. Going back to the podcast, I was very fortunate to sit down and have a chat to Steve, our Victorian Junior Athlete of the Year in 2005. He's had all these fantastic experiences, which I'm very keen for the listeners to hear firsthand. So here's Steve Donald. Welcome to this episode of the Hit Local Play Global podcast. We're with 2005 Victorian Junior Athlete of the Year, Steve Donald. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, mate. Uh, good to be here. <laughs> now, Steve, where did your tennis journey start? Where Where was your first club? I uh, started down at North Ringwood out in the east with um, Noel Phillips was my coach. So mum and dad played a lot of tennis, so they knew knew of Noel. So, uh, yeah, heard he was a great coach. So went down there and pretty much started there and played there my whole time pretty much. So all pennant, all junior comp, all that type of stuff. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. And they were they were a strong or still are a strong club being in Division 1 of our pennant competition. So how long, how long were you at the club? Was that 20 years or...? Yeah, well, I pretty much started lessons there probably when I was about six or seven with Noel and um, my brother was down there as well doing, we did a bit of group lessons and then moved into the private lessons and that type of stuff and then moved into the the Saturday morning Eastern Eastern Region Junior Comp. So yeah, made a lot of mates down there, Corey Phillips and Rob Phillips, Noel's sons, they both played there the whole time with me and my brother as well. So moved from that into, into Pennant all the way through to pretty much a, a state grade flag, which we won back in 2005 at the club with a lot of the guys we, we grew up with. So yeah, that was a pretty cool experience and yeah, great club to be at. Yeah, awesome. Talk to me a bit about the 2005 flag. Like, you know, obviously you mentioned you'd had a lot of people that you you went through juniors with and was it kind of the pinnacle for for a club to win that flag and, and what did it mean for the club? 
Yeah, at the time, state grade was basically the biggest competition in the state. They got the Premier League in grade one and this type of thing now. But at, yeah, at the time, state grade was the biggest thing. So yeah, I mean, Rob Phillips was part of that team who obviously grew up playing a lot with and a couple of other guys. I knew Rob McKenzie, who was down there and Jay Salter was in the team as well. So that was pretty exciting. We, um, yeah, I mean, had a really good season. And then I think I had to play Grothy in the final at the time. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. So Sam Groth, who, who was he playing for at the time? From memory, it was Grace park that we played in the final so they had a really good side as well and pretty much the whole comp they had a lot of good juniors who were playing similar age to me and a couple of years older that type of thing so um yeah it was a strong comp so yeah now it's good who were who were some of those players that you were you were playing against? Like you mentioned, Grothy was there. Yeah, was Grothy was there. James Lenk, uh, James Lemke was another one who used to play in the comp. Andrew Quayler, these sort of these sort of guys would play some games. Um, so I was probably the yeah. The, I mean, the top juniors and stuff in Vic were playing alongside these sort of hardened senior blokes at the time, which was pretty cool. So it's always good sort of playing against some of the experienced guys because they obviously got the different tactics and this type of stuff. So, yeah, no, it's good. That's awesome. And was it, was it always tennis for you or were there other sports that you were a part of as well moving through juniors? Uh, when I was really young, sort of like 10, 11, I used to play footy. But I did, did my hammy when I was like 10. So ended up getting to the stage where there was just too much tennis that you didn't really get the time to play the other sports. But yeah, I mean, love my footy then, love my footy now and, and cricket and the usual stuff that a sort of person grows up watching here in Melbourne. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Now, moving back to the tennis, there were there were tournaments you played in addition to your club games and, and pennant and everything like that. You played a bit at, at Yarrawonga for the Easter tournament and Labor Day at, at Bairnsdale. Talk to me a bit about those two tournaments. Yeah, so obviously played growing up in Australia a lot, a lot all the junior tournaments. I think at the time they had like the schoolboys and schoolgirls championships and I don't know, these other Glen Iris, all the nationals, all this type of stuff. Played Yarrawonga on the grass up there every Easter, as you said. And then Bansdale, my folks had some friends up in Bansdale that run the tournament up there. So, yeah, grew up there playing since I was probably eight, nine years old. So knew a lot of the people up there and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And then Yarra, Yarrawonga, I still, I don't hit as much these days, but Yarrawonga is still the time that I sort of go up and have a bit of a hit on the grass, which is nice. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Any special memories that you remember from all the years at Yarrawonga and uh, and Bansdale and around playing um, around Victoria? Yeah, Bansdale was actually like probably the first senior sort of tournament I won. I was about 13. I think I was the youngest person ever win the Open up there. So I just remember playing once again since some of these guys who had been around for a while and played really sort of solid, crafty tennis. And that was probably like my first big highlight was was being able to win that at such a young age. So it's just, yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between playing against kids the same age as you and then playing against people who know how to play the game and who've played for years. So that was awesome. And then I suppose Yarrawong is the same thing went went up there i think i won the open up there when i was about 15 or 16 as well so yeah that was a good experience too yeah awesome why, why did you love it so much why did you love yarrawonga so much like what what made it the tournament that it was well it was, it was it's a really well-run tournament there's like still now i mean they've got probably 20 odd grass courts but then they have another 20 30 grass courts on the oval so that there's this footy footy oval that they have there and it's like beautiful surface and they basically turn it into tennis courts for the whole of easter and you just have so many people playing there playing tennis we know a lot of people who go up as well so you, you basically play and then you go around and watch someone else you know and they watch them play and it's just like three four days of full tennis which is like yeah good good fun 
Nah, that's awesome. And then obviously, you know, you had your, your juniors and then you made it through obviously to your state grade flag. In terms of making that next jump to the next step, like what was the process of you getting noticed and and recruited? And did you have coaches along the way that kind of drove you to take that, that next step? Um, yeah. So, I mean, like Noel, as I said, basically coached me my whole way through until I stopped playing when I was around 19 years old. So, yeah, I mean, he was a fantastic coach. He was there the whole time. Also had some coaches within Tennis Australia. So I suppose when you start as a junior, you're playing all these like Australian junior tournaments they have and start getting noticed and getting your ranking up by winning matches and stuff. And then you start having the development squads in at Tennis Australia and Tennis Victoria and, and the VIS and this type of stuff. And then, yeah, you're hitting with the people you really know each time, which are the other people who, who are doing well in the tournaments as well. So you start getting this core group of people that you know and then obviously start travelling overseas into ITF tournaments and representing your country and whether it be like 14 under Australian teams, 16 under Australian teams, this type of stuff. So, yeah, no, it's a... It's it's a good like little pathway and good experiences you get for sure. At, at that at that young age, you're obviously 14, 15, 16, traveling around the globe. Do you have like goals that you you set for yourself at that stage of of your life, like knowing that there's all these opportunities to play Grand Slams across the world? Like, do you think about the goals, or did you think about the goals that you you had for yourself in tennis at that stage? Yeah, definitely. Like you see everyone playing in like the Grand Slams and there's like you grow up watching all the, the top players play and like dreaming to be those players and playing on centre court and doing all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it's no different to everyone else. You, you really uh, look forward to those things and, yeah. And then circling back to the time in which you, you took off overseas to go and play around the globe, join the ITF Junior Tour, where was your first trip out of Australia and, and how old were you? The first uh, trip overseas was, I think, when I was 14, 13, 14, went over to Europe. It was called the Young Stars Tours back then, and it was before, like, the 14 under Australian team played. But I went over with my best mate at the time, which was probably still my best mate, Pat Nichols, who lives over in LA now. But me and him went over with Troy Ayres, who was the coach of the um, team over there. But basically, when you're young, you're told about how good these European players are at the same age they're playing on clay court they're hitting five hours a day and all this type of stuff so I suppose that was the first experience of being over there and I think we played a tournament in France Germany Belgium I think was the other one so we played three European junior tournaments at the time and um just playing against these these people who are just basically brick walls and different to what you've normally come up against and um so that was a real eye-opener but it was good to see like how the how the like the top juniors junior athletes at the same age are playing around the world. So after that, it was just a lot of traveling. It was probably traveling for, I suppose, three, four months a year from 15, 16, probably more there. But that was the first trip that got it got really started, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so it's you and Pat just making your way around the world from 14, 15, like you're a year, year eight, year nine kid yeah. going around three or four months a year, quarter of the year just to play tennis around, around the globe. You must have been pinching yourself. It was pretty bizarre at the time because, like, I was went to school at Luther College in Croydon and I, I just remember I, I would go to play these tournaments for, like, four weeks, five weeks, and I'd come back to school and, and everyone would be like, where the hell have you been? Like, he's vanished, mate, and you've come back. So, And then you'd be, like, away for another tournament for, like, a week or two and then you come back and they'd be like, what are you doing, mate? Like, how much- Would your classmates ask you, like, would they get you to reflect on where you'd been or was it kind of like just business as usual and you'd just go in and do your classes and that, that it just yeah. school would be normal? Like my good mates would know, like my good mates knew where I was going, but like the majority of people are just like, oh, 
is this guy back again? Like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was, it was a strange thing. But, I mean, it's one of those ones when you're travelling that much, it's very hard to go to, like, sort of a normal school for the whole time and just because you're just missing that much. So, And in terms of your ITF Junior Tour, then you then you get to the Australian Junior Davis Cup team, which you were selected for in, in 2005. You had a pretty successful run. You beat South Africa and Mexico and then narrowly went down to the Czech Republic who ended up being in the final. You played with Bryden Klein and Pat Nichols as well. Talk to me about the finals that were in, in Barcelona. Like, what are your memories of playing for Australia? Yeah, no, I mean, that was awesome. So we had to go through, like, the Asian qualifiers, um, which was in Philippines earlier in the year, and I think we finished second in that to Japan. I think Japan won it. So it was with Pat and Joel Lindner, and then yeah, in the finals with Brighton and Pat up um, in Barcelona. It was just an awesome experience because I came from the US Open just before that where I sort of watched a lot of these juniors play and got to know some of them. And um, then I saw a, a few of them later at this Junior Davis Cup representing their country. But, yeah, no, it was an unbelievable experience. It's just a different type of feeling, I suppose, playing for your country compared to playing a tournament. Obviously, you want to win every match, but it's just, it's, you play more than, for, more than just for yourself um, when you're playing for your country. So that was awesome. I think I won all my group stage matches, which was pretty cool. But then I think um, in our playoffs, we played in the fifth to eighth playoff. I remember playing Kaney Shikori in, in that and had him on toast. I had him like 6-4-4 love and he came back and he knocked me off. So I think that was the only game I lost in it. But no, it was an awesome experience. Loved it. I was just about to ask you about that, <laughs> Kaney Shikori. You, you obviously gone through the ranks playing these guys that are household names to Australia. Kane Shikori, what, what was that like? Yeah, no, it was awesome. I knew, knew Kay pretty well at the time. I think me and him were sort of ranked up there at that stage for our age group. So but I remember hitting with him in the warm-up and he's like, the weight behind his forehand especially was just really pushing me back. I was like, jeepers, mate. I'm just warming up, like, take it easy. But then once you get into it, then like it's just playing with normal. And you just, it's hard to pick actually back then, like who you think – is going to be like a top player when you're actually playing at 16. You always think that you're going to do it yourself and then you're playing with these guys and half the time or the majority of the time it's the guys that you think have no chance of making it and a lot of them kind of make it. So prime example was, was David Goffin, who's like the Belgian bloke. Like he was just – he just wasn't that good. He wasn't very good at all. And, um, yeah, and he, I mean, he top, made top 10 in the world. He's still playing like all the slabs and stuff like that. So, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's – Fun watching now and seeing, seeing the guys who are up there, sure. I'm going to ask you about the slams because you played all four. You had a, a really cool story that you'd practiced with a, a tennis great before his semifinal in 2006 at Roland Garros. Talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, that was that was one of my highlights probably playing with Fed, the GOAT, Federer. Um, so we, uh, I think the coaches over there at the time, Josh Eagle, and Paul Kildare were, were taking our Australian group over there. And um, Tony Roach was Federer's coach at the time. He organised a couple, a couple of us to hit with Federer at different times through the tournament. And, yeah, I remember hitting with him. He was playing his final, a semi-final against David Nalbanian um, and got to hit practice with him for about an hour the day before on his day off to sort of, yeah, the practice. And, um, yeah, I mean, unbelievable experience, like pretty nerve-wracking hitting with a guy like that. But, yeah, no, it was it was, it was an awesome experience, one that I yeah, still remember. It's a shame that back when I was playing there was 
not much footage of any of these around and we didn't really take much footage so only i've got like a photo of it but it would have been awesome to have some footage of it <laughs> at least you got a photo that's yeah, yeah <laughs> that's something i suppose and then roland garros you played in 2006 and 2007 in the boys singles and you were seated ninth in 2007 and we talked about names that you were playing alongside, uh, sorry, and against. And Dan Evans just made the round of 16 at the US Open. You played him in 2007. Do you see these guys and go, oh, wow, I played against that guy? I mean, Dan Evans was a, it was a good player, but he's one like prime example. I didn't think he was going to be like a, a top player, top 30 player or whatever he is, because I just didn't think he was going to be. But it's amazing to see. But then you get guys like Grigor Dimitrov, for example, played a lot of the tournaments we played, and he was like always going to be a gun. You could tell from when he was playing in the tournaments and stuff. The guy was just so talented. So it's amazing seeing those experiences and seeing how these people have developed into such great players. And then you see other ones who are just dominant and and they don't really get anywhere in the end. So it's, it's real hard to pick them. Obviously, I think a lot of the time it comes down to who's got the like the drive and the, the strong mental leader sort of to sort of get there. And did you enjoy playing on the clay? It seems like a lot of the ties that you had were on clay. Did you enjoy Roland Garros for, for what it was? Clay was probably my favourite surface. So I wasn't, wasn't like a huge person with a bomb serve. I just had a pretty, had a decent serve. And then it probably not great when I was finishing up, but I didn't have a huge game. I sort of relied a lot on my sort of fitness and footwork and speed around the court. So yeah, I love playing on the clay. Roland Garros was awesome as well. The one thing they had at the slams is a lot like of the juniors and seniors would all sort of be in the same spot. I remember I had a locker in between like Guillermo Canyas and Ivan Lubacic. So like my locker was in between them and I remember them going to the locker and I'm standing next to them going, what do I do here? I thought that whether like Wimbledon, for example, they kept the juniors very separate from the, the senior players. So Playing at Wimbledon, you must be pinching yourself about that as well. Do you have a favourite memory of Wimbledon given it's such a prestigious Grand Slam? I mean, just playing there, like that's exactly right. Just being on the courts, Playing at Wimbledon is like a highlight, right? Like I didn't do very well there, to be honest. Struggled on the grass. Actually, the grass courts are really slow there. So I didn't didn't play very well there. But, I mean, I was just playing at Wimbledon was just such an unbelievable experience and just being able to go watch matches and awesome. The grass courts there are, like, as you can imagine, like a fair bit different to any other grass courts you'll play at. They're that good as well. Also played in like a junior, junior event at Queen's as well. And there, that was the same thing. I remember like watching professionals and stuff they were just playing ping pong in the back room and all this type of stuff so just getting to mingle with these people is awesome that's so good and then obviously the u.s open as well where you were seated 13th for the the boys singles in 2007 and there was bernard tomic and tenny sangren and grigor dimitrov as you mentioned playing in that competition did you get a bit of time to travel in new york given you're at such a young age or was it kind of just get in and play and go to the next next competition well new york was yeah i mean we it, we played a tournament beforehand the leading tournament was in montreal so we played that and then pretty much went straight down for the juniors which is held at the second week of the um, main event yeah you pretty much spend your week there and then you move on to the next place but i think we stayed at the grand hyatt all the players the juniors there say the grand hyatt so everyone would sort of like walk around at night it was close to everything and and check out new york which is pretty awesome the courts themselves are actually in Queens somewhere, so they're actually pretty far away from where you stay. Yeah, no, awesome place, New York. I loved it. 
So did you, you bus out there? Yeah, they bus. You just, yep. They do a few shuttle buses each day, and you just go out um, the allocated time, and then yeah, shuttle bus back. So I was about an hour away, I think, because the traffic's so bad. How cool for experience as a teenager to go through that. That must have been awesome. And then the last slam, which we haven't touched on, is our home slam. So the Australian Open. 2005, 2006, 2007, you played the the boys singles going up against Marin Cilic, Donald Young, who ended up winning in 05, and you were seated 12th in 2006. Did you enjoy playing a home slam? Was it really exciting to have friends and family there that could come and watch? Yeah, it was awesome. Three years I played it. So first time was just like my first grand slam was 2005. I think it was a wild card, but I came off like a quarter final in the leading event, which is basically the same field. So I was like, oh, this is pretty unreal but then when I got to um the third year I was sort of used to playing in them a bit and it was a bit it meant a bit more because you've you you used to them and you think you're a bigger chance of winning some games and that type of stuff even though I didn't I lost first round I think but uh <laughs> it was awesome because I made the doubles final in 07 played on Margaret Court Arena in the final um and my had some school had about three or four schoolmates there who were getting around it I think I remember going on the court and it's probably like 150 people watching i was giving the old wave to the crowd type thing and it was just like milking it up a little bit but it was it was an awesome experience yeah in terms of doubles did you like the doubles format or were you more singles that was your focus or did you like them both i liked them both singles was definitely i think everyone grows up wanting to be a singles player so i always cared a lot more for singles even though i obviously try every game but obviously cared a lot more for singles but i mean my best results were in doubles i think in my last year of juniors i made the semis of the french us and made the final of the oz and oz open in doubles so that was where i had my best results both both were good do you still attend the australian open even the last couple of years have, have you still been and do you still go and check it all out yeah i still try and go my um I had a mate who was coming down and playing in the doubles from Chile. His name's Hans Podlipnik. Um, he's a Chilean player, and he used to come down, I think, a couple of years ago. He actually retired a year ago or something, but he used to come down. He stayed with me a couple of times. And, yeah, so we had, like, the, the coaches pass, I think, last time he was down, which is pretty cool. And just watching his game, I think he made the third round in the doubles or something. But try to get there. I really enjoy me and my wife usually go to the, a couple of night games in the first week on Margaret Court and yeah I love it it's awesome to see a lot of old faces as well so do you even pick them out and go oh yeah I used to play against that that guy and that guy and oh, yeah. yeah half the time you're like oh I wonder if this person would remember me and then you're yeah. probably, probably not probably not you mentioned Federer before was that your tennis hero who was your tennis hero growing up probably Andy Roddick I was a big Andy Roddick fan he was the cool he was the cool cat back in the day with his um he wore the visors and he wore the Reebok stuff and he was grouse. I was a big Andy fan, had the bomb serve. And then probably more so guys like David Ferrer and this type of stuff because I just appreciated, um, as I got sort of played a lot more, I started appreciating these guys and they weren't as naturally talented as like a Federer or someone, but they just got everything out of themselves um, and became really hard to beat. So, um, yeah, they're probably the main ones. And then in 2008, you finished up. Obviously, you'd done a lot of travel, especially as a teenager. Did you need a break or, or, you know, did injuries get in the way of continuing on? Yeah, I mean, I had some shoulder challenges, but probably more so when I was sort of 16, 17. And I think in the end, it was more of a fact that I just I just didn't think I would be a top player in the end. When I, when I was finishing up, I just didn't think I would make it and be a top player. And I, I didn't really want to just play for another five six years if i didn't think i could 
I could make it as a top player. So I just realized that it was enough. I wasn't enjoying it as much anymore, probably for that reason that I was always played to be a to be a top player and, and I didn't think that was going to happen. So I sort of made the decision, yeah, to, to finish up and go back and do my studies and, and, and head to uni and this type of stuff. What are you doing with yourself now? Like, do you still sometimes get down to North Ringwood or somewhere close to have a hit? Yeah, I head down. I actually live in out in Heathmont in the east, so I get down to um, H.E. Parker Tennis Club um, and do a bit of hitting with Ben Longridge, who's the coach down there. So don't mind having a bit of a hit. I actually enjoy it and it's good fitness and stuff. It's easy. I work a desk job, so it's easy to put on a few kegs when you're sort of sitting behind a screen all day. So it's nice to get down there and do a bit of fitness and run around and hit some balls, definitely. So, Have you tried cardio tennis? Yeah, it looks, it looks too hard to be forced to sort of run around like that. If I'm playing points and stuff, it's a bit more natural and I can sort of try and forget about it. But if I'm doing cardio tennis, I'd probably like wouldn't be able to handle it, I reckon. It'd be too hard for me. <laughs> Do you still keep in contact with the Aussies that you went through juniors with and still say g'day every every so often? Yeah, I do. Um, obviously, Pat, who I was talking about, Pat Nichols, still my best mate and lives over in LA, but I'm on FaceTime him a fair bit. JP Smith, guys like this who I travelled a lot with, still speak to every now and then, still mates with a lot of them over, over Facebook and this type of stuff. James, actually, James Lemke, I think I worked at the same company with probably when I started working and he stopped playing. So you ran in and have, have coffees and this type of thing with those people. But, yeah, it's always nice to run into people you used to play with and, catch up really and, and talk about the old times and that type of thing so yeah that's great that you can keep that connection and and those memories going that's yeah that's oh, awesome Sebastian Bell actually I'll give you a shout out Sebastian Bell as well as one of my other really good mates so um <laughs> and Troy Smith as well another one I'll give him a shout out too he's another great mate of mine so um yes yeah, do speak to them a lot too now that's awesome and last couple of questions as you mentioned, the the footage and and social media probably wasn't as big back then, so there's not a lot of archive stuff of you. But I have come across an Australian Open program from back in 2008 with a uh, familiar face modelling the the Aussie Open merchandise. Tell me how this came about. I don't I don't, I don't know how I agreed to to do that. To be honest, I was uh, I think I was a bit. I felt like my tennis was probably a little bit washed up at that stage. So I thought. <laughs> Probably if I was playing a bit better and and I don't know, I just, yeah, it was a little bit washed up and they asked me and I was like, oh, why not? <laughs> Try and stay relevant or something, I don't know. <laughs> Pretty funny, I have a little bit of a laugh. I, I didn't even know those photos were still around. So, <laughs> <laughs> And lastly, tennis is a sport that obviously can be played around the globe. So where was your favourite place to play? Probably Roland Garros. I love playing, so I love playing in France and Paris is like such an awesome city. Um, so I have really good memories from there. Getting to travel with my parents, came over, watched me playing the Grand Slams over there in Wimbledon and this type of stuff was was really nice. I suppose those European tournaments was awesome. I loved it. Played a couple of tournaments. Probably the, my favourite tournament I won was one, the Dutch Junior Open, probably because it was a really strong tournament at the time in juniors that beat some strong players to win it. So I suppose on court, that was probably my favourite tournament that I played in. So, but yeah, I love the European country. So that was all, all good. Thanks so much for your time, Steve. Really appreciate you joining us on the Hit Local Play Global podcast. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, Gab, it was awesome to sit down with Steve and have a chat. He certainly got some great stories to tell of his experiences overseas. Sean, I can't get over the story about him having a hit with Roger Federer before his semi-final at Roland Garros. Like, 
what an experience. <laughs> that's amazing. And given how much Roger's obviously gone on from there, it's just that's something that you'll never forget. Those memories would last a lifetime. And I love the story as well, you know, having the locker next to Guillermo Canos and um, Ivan Lubacic as well having the experience of playing for his country in the Junior Davis Cup. Not too many people can say that they've represented their country in their chosen sport. And above all else, he's played Kei Nishikori, who has a serious forehand, it looks like. It's a great story that um, that Steve shared with us. It was also quite funny to hear how he was doing all of this while he was still at school. Like you can imagine being his classmates and being like, where's Steve gone? Why isn't he here for like three to four months of the year? It must have been quite bizarre. I'm sure obviously his close mates knew what was going on, but maybe those sort of peripheral friends didn't quite understand where he was all the time. Oh, he's rocked up to class today. <laughs> Good on him to show up. <laughs> yeah. And of course he was on the other side of the world. So crazy going through that as a teenager, but that's what the reality is for kids these days and, and young tennis players. Thanks, Steve, for his time. And, and remember to follow us on Spotify, the Hit Local Play Global podcast. We're on all the socials as well at Tennis Victoria. And make sure you tell your friends about the podcast. Yeah. That's what really counts. Tell your friends. We also thank you for your, your patience with the audio quality in some of these podcasts. We're continuing to obviously do them online as Victoria navigates through this lockdown. See you next time.